On today's episode of The Glue Guys, kind of newsy, Brian. Nah. Theo Pinson out, Tyler Johnson in, David Nwaba gone, Nick Claxton on a table. Wow. And I think there's one other item. Pop. And we'll discuss pop. it all in this episode. We got, we got some real estate news. Pop. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, that may... Yeah, that may be in news around the league, but like as in like yeah. not. Oh, yeah. shit. <laughs> <laughs> not that it doesn't matter. Welcome back to the Glue Guys. This is Mike here. Say hello, Brian. Hello. Check us out on Twitter at BKGlueGuys, NetsDaily.com, The Athletic. If you want to get 40% off an annual subscription to The Athletic, go to TheAthletic.com slash GlueGuys. And here's a great thing. It was Father's Day this past weekend. Uh, When you're hearing this, it is many days since Father's Day. But if you did not get a gift for your father... This is the time to do it and go to theathletic.com slash glue guys. Get, get a Father's Day gift for your father or you could get a Mother's Day gift for your mother and it would just be extremely delayed. Yeah. But the athletic loves both mothers and fathers. I can. Are you, you're that. a late present giver. It sounds like you do lots of belated <laughs> it's presents. Am I, am I, it's is that fair to say? Yeah, man. It's yeah. so embarrassing because it's all simple, right? Like, so I'm married. I have a wife. So there's a couple of big days that, that as a husband, you have to prepare for. There's Valentine's Day, there's wife's birthday, and there's anniversary. And then if your wife also happens to be the mother of your child, oh wow, there's Mother's Day. So there's four days. Those are four big days. And constantly I'm told, just get a card. That's all I need to do. Get flowers. That's all I need to do. And I don't do it. And then I try to make up for it. On the back end, you know, expensive dinner or some baloney mm-hmm. off of this podcast money, you know, this big right. podcast money um, never really works out. It's always already too late. It's too late. Yeah. But Sam doesn't know this. Sam is my wife. Um, our anniversary is coming up this weekend and I did get her a gift. Wow. Yeah. Look at you. Cartier watch. And she didn't get me believe one it. probably. So I'm going to look so All good. Right, Sam, now, now who's the terrible spouse? You know who needs a gift, Brian? Who? Theo Pinson. Yeah, we do need to give him a going away present of some kind. Um, what can we? What can? What can a couple guys like us do for your boy Theo Pinson? Who really? I mean, what a what a storied career. <laughs> I mean, and I mean that not I, I. That sounded bad. That sounded like I was saying that ironically, but truly, like he he made he was so prominent as as a guy that doesn't play a whole lot of minutes. More prominent than maybe any not minute playing guy I can remember. His I don't so his PER, but his personality efficiency rating is wow. through wow. the roof. If you did the ratio of personality and actual talent on the basketball court, Pinson's is miles and miles through the roof because yeah, he never played. When he did play, it was always um, you never knew what you're going to get. He was kind of out of control. I was actually excited about him as a basketball player, but it never really seemed to fit at least here in Brooklyn. But 
from everything that we heard from Spencer Dinwiddie talking about how great of a personality Theo Pinson had to Theo Pinson continually being uh, the cameras being drawn to him at the end of the bench. You know, he was he is a semi-significant net during this run. I mean, in 15 years, when I'm talking about this with my great-grandchildren, I don't know <laughs> if Theo Pinson will be the guy that we are referencing. But in the moment, he was an important part of particularly last year's playoff team. He was like the leader of this bench mob unit that eventually kind of drew in the whole team and was such a likable team. And he was, if there's a Mount Rushmore of likable nets of the Sean Marks era, Theo Pinson is on yeah. the Mount Rushmore. He is Teddy Roosevelt. Is Teddy Roosevelt on the Mount Rushmore? I don't know. Uh, yeah, he's on there, right? Because he was the one that like made this, made the thing. Made the whole thing, right? Yeah. Usually people who... <laughs> very, it's a very Teddy thing to do. <laughs> Usually, yeah. yeah, people who, who build the mon- monuments put themselves in the monuments. Yeah. As we're learning it's a lot about monuments these days. Uh, if, so to recap the news, if you haven't heard... There was this sort of like new free agency that happened because of the NBA season shut down and the NBA opened back up a certain number of guys that could be signed by NBA teams. And Sean Marks' beloved Tyler Johnson was made available via the Phoenix Suns. He was cut and the Nets made a decision to cut Theo Pinson to make room for Tyler Johnson. So we're going to talk about Tyler Johnson. Brian has big deep dive, a big deep fire dive. take about your boy TJ <laughs> fire. <laughs> don't don't do that to me. But, don't you dare. But we do. I did. I want to take a moment for Theo Pinson. It's like it's so yeah. funny. I, I put out on Twitter. So my wife speaking a lot about family here. I don't know what's wrong with me. Yeah. You're feeling sentimental. Father's Day, you know, wife pregnant with second son. Yeah. Imminent. You're just an, an emotional knapsack. Imminent arrival. And I put out on Twitter. How imminent? What? what how long ago? How, <laughs> uh, how long we got? A month and a couple weeks. Six weeks. Six weeks. Six weeks time. It, that is. That's imminent. Okay. Here we go. Um, Cr- crunch time. Fourth quarter. And I put out on Twitter. Should I name my son Theo or Pinson? And I accidentally, for some reason, my phone uh, autocorrected to pins on two separate words. Yeah. Uh, but that's also would be a great name. Pins smelts could be like a bowler. Pins smelts. I like that. Yeah, it's a little rugged. Bowler. Yeah. Or a tailor, you know? <laughs> <laughs> right? These pins. Do you know what, by the way, do you know what a sm- So there's two meanings for the name smelt. Do you- like smelting metal? Yeah. So you could smelt yeah. metal and also there's a fish that's a smelt. Ah, you're more of a fish. Yeah. <laughs> smelt. I think my, my line <laughs> yeah, derives from the, yeah. the sardine-like fish. Mm-hmm. <laughs> not not the rugged men who melt metal. Yeah, it's not really no, uh, uses a, a fishy people for sure. But if if I'm being honest, if I were to name, not that I would ever do this, but if I were to name my son after any current net, Theo Pinson would be top three. And not wow, Theo is is a real consideration here. Yeah, because it's he it's him Wilson Chandler. One Wilson Chandler is just like a great name. You can name him Chandler or Wilson. Um, and I, wow, I can't. I didn't realize that your your dedication to this team went that deep. You're just looking <laughs> through the Nets roster. <laughs> this is, you know what it is? It's is so incredible. hard to name a kid, particularly in the Facebook Instagram age, because you'll see like the kid in college who you haven't talked to for 15 years. Uh, they just had a baby and they named their kid this name. So then that name can't be used. 
It, at least mm. that's how I feel. Name cannot be with. I cannot no be in names. the orbit of that name if I'm. Gonna you can't it. be. You can't have like a Madison because. Well, not like you know, fifteen years ago, you couldn't have a Madison. Everybody was naming their kid Madison for Madison for a hot was second. Part. Hot. Yeah, it was yeah, at least at least in the Northeast region. The TikTok of, of names, if you will. Yeah. Um, but you can zig when there's zag. Now Madison might be back on the table. You know, that's uh, you just be a late to the game Madison. I think the zag is John. Is like John yeah, or going Steve. True. Yeah. Brian. Steve. Brian. I feel like Brian never had a real moment. It's always been for me. Brian has moment. like a weird. <laughs> yeah. I feel like Brian's are always like they have dirt bikes and they like smoke cigarettes when they're 13. <laughs> that's, that's was that you? Like Brian's. I didn't have the. I you probably smoked too early, but I did. I <laughs> oh, I'm too. I'm too afraid of dirt bikes, motorcycles. Um. um yeah, but. I, but what's your grandest Theo Pinson memory? I mean, we're never going to remember from what he did on the floor. It's no, I mean, here's the, it's the consistency of just his, you know, it's so interesting. It just disproportionately affected the, using my air quotes here, culture, you know, and people joke about it on Twitter, but some people are, well, it's like a joke that's mostly serious where it's like, well, the culture's over now. It's kind of true in some <laughs> sense. It really does kind of, it's, he symbolized a certain kind of, free joviality of a team from two years ago that or from last year that we'll just never really be able to capture again and it's sort of necessary to evolve out of that but um you can you can just point at the theo pinson era and look back fondly <laughs> on that on that team in that time uh and we'll probably we're just like headed towards a much more serious and like championship caliber blah 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 you know like super self-serious team and um unfortunately theo pinson's um, like bench brand makes less sense in that, in that level of serious championship contender world. Um, but it will be hard not to think of, of him as just, yeah, disproportionately valuable as a bench figure. It's like really, uh, it's, I, I've never, I can't think of another sort of guy who played as few minutes who really did feel as crucial to the fabric of a team. Um, maybe what's his name? Ronnie, um, What's his face on, on the Lakers? Yeah. <laughs> no, no. Uh, Turioff. 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 Ronnie. Tur- Ronnie. Yeah. Is it Ronnie or Ronnie Turioff? Yeah. I think it's Ronnie. Um, Who I liked Ronnie was prominent for a yeah. minute. Um, I mean, like famously, Brian Scalabrini like went from bench to bench. and But he was more like, he wasn't, he wasn't, he was like a dog personality in the way that Theo Pinson is a dog personality. But there was like a... Are they make? Am I? Are we having fun with me or at me? Kind of thing with Brian <laughs> that Theo Pinson never had to deal with. It was always just like we're all here to have fun with Theo. Um, so yeah. So I, I think of the, like the Sean Marks, Kenny Atkinson, pre Kyrie, Katie Nets is like a tech startup, right? And it was about building a culture. It was trying to do innovative things. They may not be successful. They may be successful. You know, they got some some funding that gave them a nice runway but but they never they weren't trying to turn a profit you know ultimately what they were just trying to do is like f- do a bunch of different things make uh restricted free agent signings make kind of outlandish trades take on a lot of bad contracts and then dump those players for draft picks they were doing a bunch of things to try to get to a certain level of success to become a company that could be profitable and theo pinson is of that mindset where it's like you can have Theo Pinson on your team if your team is not that good, because not every roster spot is that crucial. You're not really aiming for 
you know, the playoffs. You're not really aiming for a championship. So you can afford to have just a jovial young guy on your team who does like contribute to the overall culture, though he's never going to contribute on the floor. Now in this cold, calculated Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, we need to turn a profit. We need to be in the black, can't be in the red level. We Our stock price is the only thing that matters at this point. There's no room for Theo Pinson. Feels like you're speaking from experience right now. Mark. Is something going on? Are you are you about to? <laughs> and and Theo yeah. Pinson represented something that that made sense at a certain time, which was like culture, culture, culture. He doesn't ultimately make sense. And and I had advocated during the season that they can't cut Theo Pinson because if you have surly guy number one Kevin Durant and surly guy number two Kyrie Irving as the two leaders of your team. You can't then just fill the rest of your roster with a bunch of surly dudes, or that's going to be a depressing locker room and not that much fun to play around. And I think ultimately when things like are not that much fun, they don't lead to great success. So I thought like, okay, leave that roster spot for just like a happy guy who, you know, as the coaches never have to worry about and is likely to brighten the mood of the room. Well, now, I mean, we're moving forward and it's like, okay, but. But we also do need a certain ball handler. Like, we don't know if Garrett Temple is going to come back or not because the team he has a $5 million salary, and the team will likely be in a salary crunch because of the declining salary cap related to China and the coronavirus. So it's going to, the China, but by China, I mean, obviously, the Chinese situation in the preseason with Daryl Morey and the removal of all that stuff. Um, so the salary cap is going to go down. Garrett Temple now probably was never going to get cut before or released, but there's a possibility that he may because he'll cost a lot more money if the salary cap declines. And you can't then just also keep Theo Pinson because he can never contribute. He would not contribute to a playoff team. That's not who he is at this point in his career. And really he hasn't been given like the chance to do it in the NBA. Like he needs to go to like the Kings or actually the Kings are pretty good. So I shouldn't even say them anymore go to just a really bad team like the Knicks and get some minutes, get 12 minutes a game in the NBA and get some run. And then you bring in a guy like Tyler Johnson, who at least we know can do something, something, Brian, on the basketball court. I mean, you raised an interesting point, though, and we'll get to Tyler Johnson. That was a a perfect segue, and I'm just going to, like, not not take it, you know? Going the path less traveled. Beautiful. Uh, but you bring up an interesting point is like, do you need to have some level of levity on a championship caliber team? And I'm just trying to think of like any of the winning, winning or teams in the last, like, I don't know, whatever, 20 years. And like, who is like the, the, that levity on the Cavs or the Warriors or any of those teams? And I can't like, a name doesn't really just like pop in my mind. Well, there's like different types, right? There's different types of locker room dudes, but like Sean Livingston wasn't levity guy, but he was known as like locker room soul. Emotional, emotional consistency is sort of the, the brand, right? Yeah. Yeah. Him, David West was like a leader who wouldn't really play. Cleveland had, (laughs) I guess it's J.R. Smith and mood lightener. Probably not (laughs) the guy threw soup at an assistant coach. So probably not in a mood lightener. Um, No, I don't know. The Cavs, that whole Cavs team, by the way, was was a very moody team. It's the yeah. most re- it's the most like what the Nets will be, which is like there'll be exactly. weird Instagram posts about other players where like Kevin Love will be left off. And there's rumors out there that the Nets may want Kevin Love in some form or fashion, which 
Yeah. That well, I don't even want to talk about that on this pod because Oh wow, okay. That's that's even even though we did talk about that like multiple times over yeah. the summer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um Yeah, I know. But I think it's like so to me in this in the locker room structure where there's fifteen guys in the locker room, you what you want is sort of a you do want a higher hierarchy. You you can't really have um like everyone really isn't equal because playing time is the differentiating factor. Like you, you could say everyone is treated the same, but ultimately Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving are going to get preferential treatment because they're playing 35 minutes a game and putting up 25 points each per a game. So you do need guys in the locker room who quote unquote know their role. And Theo Pinson seemed like was just like perfect guy who knew his role. Now, Wilson Chandler, does seem like a guy who does know his role. Torian Prince does not seem like a guy who is clearly defined in his role. There's like, so I I think the key, the main key of like any kind of locker room is just figuring out who, like what role people should be in. I think what happened with the Lakers last season when LeBron's first season with the team, there were just like a lot. Remember how they had all those one-year contracts they had all the one-year contract vets. They had LeBron. And then they had like this whole group of young guys, Lonzo Ball, Josh Hart, Kuzma, Brandon Ingram. And that locker room was horrible because all of those young guys thought they should get a bunch of minutes. All the vets were like, well, we're vets in the league for 10 years. We should be getting these minutes. And LeBron had no interest in sort of being a leader in that aspect. The Celtics faced the same thing with Kyrie Irving. Kyrie's on the floor. And then he's not. He's hurt. Marcus Smart steps up in the playoffs. Terry Rozier steps up in the playoffs. Going into last season, there's just too many guys who wanted minutes. Um, so, like, what, who is Tyler Johnson? Maybe he's he's probably not a guy at this point that is, like, so desperate for minutes because he's made $50 million off of Sean Marks' contract. Not that he doesn't want more money. I would want more money. but um, Sure, sure. Theo Pinson. Just, yeah. Pouring one out. For Theo Pinson, 100%. We'll be, I feel like we'll follow Theo Pinson's career. I feel like that's how I feel about him. You know, I I will, he's he's going to be a guy I Google from time to time for sure. And he'll probably go to Europe and make a <laughs> bunch the, of money. The, that's, that's my, that's, <laughs> here I am thinking that that's like paying someone great respect. <laughs> I, will I will Google I will him. Insert you in Google we, once a year. We will hear from him in five years after he's played in Russia for four and they'll be talking about Theo Pinson's one of the best European players, American players playing in Europe. I mean, I feel like there is like a, a Stefan Marbury ascendancy for him somewhere, somewhere in this world. A statue is going to be built. A monument <laughs> to Theo Pinson's dance will exist somewhere. Um, will there if not, be a, I'll, I'll make it here in my apartment. Will okay. there be a statue built for Tyler Johnson? What are your thoughts on the Tyler Johnson silence? I'm, Sean Marks I'm gets interested. I'm interested in the Tyler Johnson fascination. I'll say that it made a whole lot more sense three years ago, for sure. <laughs> um, when when his uh, his statistical output was a little bit more intriguing. His his last three years have not been good to Tyler Johnson in general. His percentages are a little bit sad. Um, minutes in a state of disrepair, decline, rapid decline. He's averaging 16 minutes per game, 31 games for Phoenix Suns team that just does not seem to really want to play Tyler Johnson. And having watched a little bit of Tyler play, um, I can see it. It's like uh, <laughs> my, my, I would. So here's what I think it, Sean Marks' interest in Tyler Johnson is based on. If you think that Tyler, that uh, Sean Marks just liked 
the way that D'Angelo Russell played basketball and wants a lesser version of that in any kind of like just aesthetic. All right. So he's, they're both the same size. They are less athletic than you would expect them to be way less fast than you would hope they are. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Like, and also has like somewhat dicey shooting percentages here and there. Although like D'Angelo definitely turned the corner with that, especially from range. But um, yeah, basically what they want to be doing is they want to be playing in an NBA of yesteryear where they can, their their chief offensive weapon is a runner from probably too far out. Um, from what I can tell, that is Tyler Johnson's bread and butter is a somewhat effective runner, um, and that's not a, that's a pretty suboptimal offensive weapon. Now D'Angelo Russell tacked on a whole bunch of other weapons around that. It remains to be seen if Tyler Johnson <clears throat> can do any of that, especially in the playmaking milieu, because he's listed as a one-two, but really he that his he is a two um for all intents and purposes at least on paper statistically like um i mean he gets some he'll have some nights with like you know six assists here and there um but it it seems to me that he's like looking for his shot and is at his best when he's looking for a shot more but yeah his career stats are like two assists you know not not much yeah and he um and and i kind of i kind of think so he's 36 percent from three over his career and that that's a night. I mean, that's a pretty solid number. You know, he was twenty nine percent from three this past season when he bar- he didn't really play all that much. Like you're saying, he played sixteen games. But so if you no thirty one games for sixteen minutes. Oh, sorry. So, sorry, yeah. So if you if if you take away the one bad year, let's say his percentage goes up to thirty eight percent. I could figure it out on Basketball Reference, but I don't have that time right now. Um, <laughs> that's a pretty good. I mean. That's an okay shooter, right? That's a that's a fine shooter. His usage rate over his career has been about 19%. And I think my one thing I was worried about Tyler Johnson before this now initial signing was that like, is he just going to be like clunky, ball-consuming, ball-stopper dude? Or is he going to be a guy who can kind of fit within a larger frame of the offense? And like really over his career, he's never been clunky, ball-stopper dude. He, he He's not, you talk about the assist totals. He's not like a guy who's going to create for a whole bunch of people. But at least he's not the guy who's just going to be pounding the ball when he gets it. And then he's going to be the one who's making the decision at the end. That's what usage rate is, right? That they're the guy who finishes. The, when they have the ball, do they finish the play in some way? And he's 19%. So who this is basically who 19% is. It's like Will Barton and Marcus Smart, Patty Mills, JJ. It's like the second dairy ball handler types, the the shooters, the guy who only shoots like Davis Bertans is around that percentage. Um I think that's crucial because, again, it's we're talking about role here. So, like, who is he? He's an end of a bench guard at this point, and you can't have him coming into the game thinking he's, I the newest version of Isaiah Thomas. You know, we're like that was the problem with Isaiah Thomas with the Wizards this season is that he was still going into the game thinking that like I'm the the lead guard here, even though I'm next to Bradley Beal. Tyler Johnson has kind of always been in the same role, and he's just whether he's been a better shooter or a worse shooter has determined how productive he is. You know, if you look at his like PER, not his PER, his per 36 numbers this season when he had a bad season, basically the same over his career. It's like he's an average guard, but he was on a bad team this year who did not make Tyler Johnson any priority. Not that he would be a priority with the Brooklyn Nets. I, I, I think it's a he's a better basketball player than Theo Pinson. I think I could definitively say that. You know, and 
he's a guy, he's a position the Nets do need. There was a time when that would have been unquestionable. I mean, like, so he's been trending downwards since 2015, right? When he averaged a, a good 38% from the three-point line. And, uh, you know, and then next year, a respectable 13 points per game. You know, definitely in the, like, high end of utility, sort of backup-ish, but also could very well insert be inserted into starting lineup combo guard. Um, but then it's just been downhill, downhill ever since like and so when you look at like i mean phoenix is also a pretty terribly run organization and i have no doubts that they are not they don't cared about (laughs) they never cared about putting tyler johnson in any position to succeed that probably wasn't on the forefront of their mind and so you can you can point to that and say like oh i'll look at his percentage but it's been it's trending downward for you know three years basically now um and Phoenix definitely is like where the bottom fell out. But um, I always just think of that as like a, you know, it's a strange thing when you see someone's percentages really fall off. Um, not a, not always a good thing, but it's like his effective field goal percentage. Like, you know, it's around the same kind of consistent place. But like he in 2015, he had a good year, like yeah. statistically a really good year. And it made a lot of sense to offer him to expect that at a 23 years old, he was going to be a pretty good player. And like the contract that Sean Marks, especially for that timing, which was, you know, that that crazy summer, like. It was it was a lot and definitely like didn't pan out, but it wasn't it wasn't crazy at that time to look at that output and say, oh, this is going to be, you know, a, a super efficient combo guard, which is hard to find. It's really hard to find. Yeah. And I think if he actually came to Brooklyn, it would have been probably. Yeah, I mean, it would have been interesting to see him because he would have gotten like more of the run of the offense. He would have been more. And I don't think every player should be like, I don't think by getting more opportunities, every player is going to be like get better. And and he over his the entirety of his career has always been the other ball handler in the backcourt. He's never been he's never even been like the main bench ball handler guy. That's never been his deal. He hasn't even been Spencer Dinwiddie. It's like he's like I'm not even talking about production. Like Spencer, even as a backup, was the focal point of the offense when he was in. Tyler Johnson has always been just like the guy next to the focal point of the offense. I the, the thing that we haven't discussed about Tyler Johnson, which has been interesting reading the advanced stats on him, is that defensively, he's even been a positive, I think he's been a positive defensively, according to some all-encompassing defensive stats this season. And previously in his career, he was like a very good defensive guard, considered a very good defensive guard. And as more and more as we dig into what this team is going to need next season, Defense is like they're just if they can fill the roster with guys who are good on defense and are average to above average three point shooters, that's going to make a massive difference to the overall makeup of the team. And for the most part of his career, he's been a good defender and an average to better than average three point shooter. the The interesting thing about Tyler Johnson is like looking at I was looking at catch and shoot stats for him. Not a good catch and shoot three point shooter. Not a particularly like great wide open shooter. Like you do see some guys who. You know, their, their percentages are horrible. Like Torian Prince, not a good shooter when a guy is on him. But when he's wide open, he's a, as good, if not like almost as good as Joe Harris. And Joe Harris's top three in the league, I think, is being like a wide open three-point shooter or had been traditionally. Tyler Johnson's not a good catch and, th- and shoot three-point shooter, which is you, you he's only going to be that next season. If he's on the team next season... He's never going to take a pull. If he takes yeah. a pull-up three, he should be benched, basically. When you have Kyrie yeah. Irving and, and Kevin Durant. And, and, you and, know, I, and I think about Dodge. the – this is some niche, super Nets podcasty um talking points. But, like, in a rotation, 
I am going to be a little bit sad to see him displace Chris Chioza for any minutes, really, because, you know, in, in a very small sample size theater way, I, but I, you know, I do. I <laughs> That's do all we got right more. now, man. It's, yeah. You know? <clears throat> right. So I do. I will say that, like, if, if Chris Chioza is going to lose minutes to this, that would that would be the only like not. the What's the opposite of a silver lining? Um, a, a rust lining. A, rest, a, rusted, a rusty lining. Rusty sounds <laughs> yeah. Sounds vaguely like a porn. Not rusty trombone. Like, yeah. like a name of like a porn star. Rusty lining. Um, yeah, I mean the Chioza thing. We love Chris Chioza. I kind of think the problem that that Chris will face is that because of his smaller size, his defensive versatility is diminished. Where even though Tyler Johnson's only like three or four inches taller, well, that's not insignificant. Chioza looks small. Like, I don't know if he's under six feet, but he looks it. Where Tyler Johnson's like a pretty solid 6'3". It always happens to guys who are muscular. That muscular build that Chioza has, you just it just makes you... It's my problem, really. Does, that's my issue. Yeah, yeah. That's your yeah, problem. I can relate. That's your yeah. problem, Brian. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's <laughs> not not a decade of not exercising. <laughs> that's that's um, his optics. Besides yeah. the pull-up bar. You're yeah, the pull-up I did bar do some, occasionally do some pull-ups, yeah. Um, Tyler Johnson, you know, if I'm sure Mark's sitting back and I'm like, okay, what does this team need? Tyler Johnson's offers defense for Chioza. Obviously, I think his offensive potential is like pretty high in terms of a backup guard. Like I think he there's definitely a role for him on a certain team. But Tyler Johnson has also one has proven it. I mean, he has scored over 10 points per game in like three seasons. Um, he's you know, he's been a guy in the NBA, he's not that old. And defensively, he is a good player. Um, and if he stinks, you know, whatever, they'll cut him. It's like not a big deal. I am a little bit concerned. I don't know if you feel this way. I'm a little concerned that Marks went back to the well, the the Tyler Johnson well on this one, because I kind of like innovative thinking and it doesn't feel very innovative to just sign the guy that you tried to sign three years ago. And he did it before with Alan Crabb and Alan Crabb has something to do. Yeah. With a report, like with a trying to, um, go back in time and like fix the reputation of the Alan Crabb thing. Do you think that this is his attempt to to be like, hey, I, that, those were all good ideas? Because the Otto Porter thing too has not panned out for for old Otto. Yeah, Otto was horrible this year. I think he got hurt too, and he was never worth that amount of money. And if he it's was on the amazing. Nets, if he was on the Nets, he would have. So just to quickly do an Otto Porter sliding doors moment, if if the Wizards don't match. Otto Porter comes to the Nets as a max contract guy. They cannot get Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. Because one, they're not then also getting D'Angelo Russell, most likely. And and even if they don't get to, let's say even they get D'Angelo Russell and, and everything happened, they still would have had to have traded a max contract Otto Porter away from the team to get Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. I mean. But Mike, you're failing to understand that Otto Porter would have become Giannis under oh, right. uh, Kenny's. Kenny's tutelage. developmental system. Yeah. It's 100% right. I apologize. Um, Alan Crabb was that to refresh everyone's memory, the Nets did, what was it like four years, 70 million for Alan Crabb? 75, I think. Oh my God. Um, that was so bad. So, but but Portland matches, Portland matches at the time, Alan Crabb was viewed as one of the best three point shooters in the NBA. He had some length. So like you had defensive versatility in some sense. So like, okay, that made ish sense. But he was bad. He was bad in Portland for a year. The Nets make a Boyan Bogdanovich trade with the Nets trade with the Wizards. 
The Wizards give them the first round pick that ends up being Jared Allen. And they give them Andrew Nicholson, St. Bonaventure's own, I believe St. Bonaventure, Andrew Nicholson, who that was a disaster signing by the Wizards. So salary dump plus first round pick gets you Boyan Bogdanovich for like a month. That's all the Wizards got out of Boyan. And then the then Sean Marks trades salary dump Andrew Nicholson for salary dump Alan Crabb, but the Nets get no additional compensation. I don't think they even got a second round pick. Maybe they did. And I apologize profusely to Sean Marks if they ended up getting a second round pick. But I'm pretty sure it was just like, here's a bad contract, Andrew Nicholson. I you We will take Alan Crabb. And Alan Crabb was horrific for your Brooklyn Nets. And um, <laughs> I, I worry a little bit. Tyler Johnson's been a better NBA player than Alan Crabb over this run. But it lacks creative thought make thought process to be like I like this guy four years ago I want him now I like this guy a year ago he wasn't good he we've proven the data shows Alan Crabb wasn't good and Mark still made that trade Tyler Johnson the data is murky but it's trending negatively I still want that guy I the Chris Chioza thing is like the excitement of the unknown and the potential for growth where Tyler Tyler Johnson we don't think is like going to grow into, you know, Chauncey Billups 5.0. You know, we never have really digested properly. Please. And and I'm reminded of it now because of what you just said, but just how good Boyan Bogdanovich has been in, so in good. basketball at turned it on at age 29 and 30. Like, have you ever seen that career trajectory that much of a late bloomer for like, he's almost a, a, a 40, 50, 90 guy. Like he is, Three, just three two-point field goal percentages away from being a, a legitimate 40, 50, 90 dude scoring 20 points per game. It's pretty crazy. And I'm laughing because my image of Boyan Bogdanovich as a net is him guarding LeBron. Like he was the guy, because the Nets were so bad, that had to guard LeBron James in games. And Boyan's talent is that he's this super versatile offensive weapon. Um, I don't think, know if you saw this. Paul George was on Quentin Richardson and Darius Miles' podcast. Did you mm-hmm. see that? I saw, I, I know, no, but I, I know what you're about to say. Okay. So it was really good. And I real shouts to Paul George for being very honest. And I appreciate honesty. But he said that Quentin Richardson asked him, Paul, what happened in Indiana? Why, why did you want to eventually end up leaving Indianapolis? And basically the whole gist of it was Paul George was like, I never wanted to leave, but here's what happened. Um, at one point, this is all from Paul George's recollection. The the Pacers could have made a, he wouldn't specify it was a signing or a trade. And we now believe we know who he's talking about, but he said they could have got the best power forward in the league. This guy wanted to come play with me in Indiana, which has never gotten like big stars to come to Indiana and they wouldn't do it. And then they told me the guy that they wanted to to bring in a power forward, he said, this is what Paul George said. He was like the 25th best power forward in the NBA. And that guy was Boyan Bogdanovich, who they did sign for two years, $21 million in this summer that Paul George was talking about, who actually was like, that was a great signing. If you think of, from back with the Pacers, the number one power forward that he's talking about, and this is reported by Jay Michael, who... I think covers the Pacers for the Indianapolis Star, Indiana Star. He says it was Anthony Davis apparently wanted to go play with Paul George in Indianapolis. Uh, 
which makes sense. I mean, uh, you know, Anthony Davis is from Chicago. It's very close. Indianapolis, Chicago were close. So, like, I, you could see why maybe Anthony Davis wanted to do it. Um, but Jay Michael reported that the amount the Pacers would have had to given up and then had to have tried to resign Anthony Davis, it didn't make sense. But it's funny because Paul George is just like, we ended up signing the 25th <laughs> best power forward in the NBA. He's calling Boyan a power forward here? Boyan is technically a power. I mean, he plays the four. No. he's But he doesn't really play the four, but he sort of plays the four. Most teams, he's going to play the power forward position. Um, and I've said I've said this before, but as much as I love Jared Allen, and that was a great trade. I, you know, Sean Marks trades the end of Boyan Bogdanovich, who the Nets weren't going to resign because the team stunk, for a first round pick and a salary dump, but a first round pick. You do that because they had none, and they got Jared Allen, who was a valuable player. But like, you know, it should be noted that Boyan Bogdanovich. Is pretty damn good and would have continued to help the Brooklyn Nets probably more so than Jared Allen. Though you'd rather have the next 15 years of Jared Allen than the next 15 years of Boyan Bogdanovich. But the Nets will probably trade Jared Allen this summer anyways. So we'll see. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, he's old. I mean, he just turned it on at 29. You know, you don't see that. Try to put it to Twitter, to Nets Twitter or Nets or the glue guys email people. Who can you think of that became really good? Late in their career. No one. <laughs> Mike. Yeah. Um, we have two other uh, two other notes. Nets news notes. Oh, oh okay. David Nwaba gone. Brian, I feel like this is for <sighs> you. Um, how sad you know are you what's so interesting? Nwaba's done. The overlap between Rockets person. I think what the Nets are trying to do is interesting. It's like they're, they're incestuous with Rockets players, but then also incestuous with Spurs administrators. Administration, anyways, admin, <laughs> <laughs> management, admin, whatever, coaching, uh, etc. Um, and I think that that's like an interesting fit, right? Taking Rockets style players and trying to marry them with like the conservative management ethos of Spurs personnel. Um, and so we've seen a lot of that kind of stuff. And so, I mean, Houston got a perfect guy. Like, I mean, he's a perfect human. He's a perfect man. <laughs> David Duaba is, I'm super sad that we're going to see him go. I'm also super happy for him though, because it wasn't a sure thing that, you know, he gets, he lands anywhere after a pretty devastating injury like that. So like, that makes me feel good in general. Um, but I, yeah, I'm sad to see him go. He's such a, like as he is such a useful utility player. Maybe like, um, I mean, they'll find this out pretty quickly, but it's uh yeah, it's just like a, a really good utility player. Super compact, six four, defensive minded guy who can actually hit threes. It's like who you know. That's what more can you ask for? Yeah, and like if obviously if you didn't get a hurt, and if you don't remember, it was an Achilles injury, which I've heard are pretty hard to come back from in certain mm-hmm. ways. Apparently, it takes eighteen months to come back from an Achilles injury. <laughs> oh, uh, you can now. This is gonna be this is gonna be two more years of just butt hurt about. Um, <laughs> yeah. But Nawaba pre Achilles was like, wow, this was such a find. It wasn't like the level of like those guys who like pop up for a season or two and have like a. It's not like I, again I reference Isaiah Thomas, but like Isaiah Thomas with the Celtics. But it was a find that you got a defensive player who could shoot three. He was shooting really well from three with the Nets. And yeah, he was like Marcus Smart without like the bad playmaking, bad decision making. Like that's just a conservative, less statistical output. Marcus Smart. Yeah, and I get why then I get why Sean Marks didn't like try to get him continued on a contract. 
or anything because you don't know with the Achilles injury like what his recovery is going to be like and it's going to you'd rather have use that roster space for a guy than you know could contribute next year when the season starts in December like I totally get it it's good for him I mean the contract with the Rockets is basically like they're paying him X amount of dollars this season just to re- continue to rehab and then they have a team option over him for next year I don't know when the option begins but it makes sense because they could check in on his rehab and be like, okay, yeah, he looks good. He's ready to play. And he is such a Rockets player. Like they love defense three and D guards. I mean, they're going to start him at center. That's what they're going to do. with this guy. <laughs> I'm, I'm partially serious. Um, it sucks that he got hurt because he was really becoming important for the team. And he would have been a perfect role player on the squad next year. He actually would have been the guy who probably would have knocked Garrett Temple out of the rotation, like completely. Um, and yeah. I love Garrett Temple, love him dearly, but Nawaba was like eating his lunch out there. Um, and then another net to talk about, well, current net, Nick Claxton, Brian, mm. Nick Claxton injury, torn labrum surgery will not be going to Orlando. I think my, and like, so he apparently is, he'll be ready for next season. I think, you know, people are kind of d- disappointed on Nets Twitter because he will not have an opportunity to play, uh, in Orlando. He was never going to play. What, like in garbage minutes in Orlando. I mean, yeah, whatever. I mean, I'm sad for him, obviously, and that that sucks. Would would like to see him in those garbage minutes, a hundred percent. But yeah, I mean, people who are, if anyone's upset about that, you should really, you should really check your your privilege on that <laughs> one. You know, because <laughs> the only thing that sucks is that he, because he has a torn labrum, he's not going to be able to work out this summer or you know this off season in the way that you'd want him to. That's and that's fair. That's true. Particularly for a skinny dude. You kind of want him to start bulking up a tiny bit. Obviously, the bulk up uh, mythology. Yeah, how do you, how do you bulk up without using your arms? That's what that's <laughs> going to be the. It's just squats, and I guess you could do like those like wrist rolls, so you could just have really yeah. huge forearms. Yeah. Um, uh, but uh, that's a, I don't know how I don't know if forearms help you in basketball. I guess they do if people try to steal the ball from you. You could just get fat. You could you could go that way. Uh. That? <laughs> What? Fat Nick Claxton. <laughs> that's gonna be How hard. That even I'll say look, that. You know? <clears throat> yeah, that's gonna be great. Imagine <laughs> he comes back. That frame, just like the problem is with that frame, you're just gonna get a gut. That's it would just this, be like it's not gonna be gut. evenly dispersed. It's just <laughs> right there. It's like I know you're waist. not a huge Marvel fan, but when Chris Hemsworth played the Thor in the most mm, recent yes. exactly. Avengers movie, and it was just he had a huge gut. But basically, I told you, I saw like the same. I finally got around to that in quarantine. I saw the Avengers. Oh, right. And my hot take was that Ant-Man is just like way overpowered and underutilized. What's the point? Why is he on the bench so much? I know. If you could become a giant. Why is why is he shrinking down instead of being huge all the time? He should just be huge all the time. Ant-Man's low-key like just a devastating I mean, they're force. struggling with those like flying caterpillar things and he just uppercuts one in the chin <laughs> and kills it. <laughs> Like instant death. Well, and you got it. I mean, I know this has been played out in comics, but it's like he can go so small, he can go inside your body and then just expand, right? And yeah, expand. Fucking explode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, does, does he often do that in the comics? That I'm should be sure. a thing. I'm sure. I remember I did read, I, I, I don't actually usually read comics. I've only read a couple of them, but like the old man Logan one where he gets killed by the Hulk and then the Hulk eats him and then like Wolverine comes back together inside of the Hulk's body and pops out. That's that's dope. That's sort of like that. Yeah. I didn't know that. That's cool. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, I think that's our episode for today. Oh, <laughs> good. 
Um, Perfect. That was a good episode, Mike. I think we did a great job. Yeah. Uh, I think you did a good job. The Nets are, good. basketball's going to happen. So uh, we'll continue. Is it? I mean, I don't know. Florida seems like it's dead set on, on <laughs> screwing this up for us, Mike. You did. You did yell at when, whenever the NBA announced, you know, that we're going to have a season remaining of the season in Florida. And we did a podcast. You literally yelled at Florida and saying, don't screw yeah. this up for us, Florida. They are doing that. They are proceeding they, to do that. It wasn't doing it for no reason. It's because Florida is the kind of place where they screw this kind of thing up. And this is a kind of hot take that should be at the beginning of a podcast. But now that we're here, I'll, I will launch ah. it at the bottom of the show, which I guess is the end of the show, if you want to call it the, the end of the show. Um, the NBA should move this quarantine wow. final to New York City. I don't. Wow. How hard would it be to snap your fingers, Nuclear. NBA, and do it? There is you can't the, create a bubble. There's too much thing, too many things to do in in New York. But there is the hotel space in Lower Manhattan where there's literally no people because that's where all you know all the financial and corporate corporations are all based in Lower Manhattan. A lot of them are right. Basically, no one is there anymore. No people live <laughs> there anymore. There are tons of hotels that have nobody in them. Are you talking about like Zuccotti Park? Like where? You, yeah, where you yeah. Where, where's have the NBA <laughs> play in Zuccotti Park? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. With the protesters. Occupy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Got it. But Florida is looking horrific. And it, I cringe every time people are like, we need to quarantine the Disney workers as well. And, I, and in my head, I'm like, that is so goddamn arrogant to act like these people that get paid $12 an hour, then, then you're going to force them to quarantine in a hotel for three months so that they could serve NBA players. Let's not... Now, we shouldn't be say, like that shouldn't be a thought or an idea. You can't control people that much just so that they can play basketball. In New York, we have two gorgeous arenas ready to play basketball. You could line up Prudential Center. So then you're just busing from, you know, lower Manhattan to Prudential. Or you could even base some people in Newark. Why not? Continental Airlines, let's not forget, still still up and about. Um, there's plenty. Right? Did they? It's still there, right? Yeah, I don't know. Sure. There's, <laughs> okay. There's plenty of arena space. There's there's actually Long Island College, uh, Nassau Coliseum, which is now defunct because Prokhorov is pulling out of it completely. You could have games there. Wow. You could have games in real live arenas and not just in practice facilities that what's going to be in Orlando. Can there are happen. a lot of arenas now that you say that. You could even go to the colleges. You, you, know. you could go to, you could, there's plenty of colleges that you could be playing games at. And you could be just, it's simply St. Francis got a court for sure. Getting people on a bus and shooting them, you know, in these different directions. You could get them on boats, get them on the ferry system, de Blasio's ferry system. Wow. Get them on a ferry, move them around on the water. It's beautiful. What's the, what was the name of the uh, hospital boat? We could actually just have them play on the boats too. The USS like Mercy or whatever. Yeah. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 We have them play on the boat. Have them play on the boat. Come on. And I think I'll get, be, I'll get seasick. Though. So That's my, I couldn't do it. Florida's scary right now. And we shouldn't be sending people to Florida. New York is about as has become about as safe as anywhere in the country. Besides Vermont, because Vermont has like nine cases throughout the entire <laughs> the entirety of the state. Are they testing enough, though, Mike? Is that I mean, do you think they're testing enough there? Dude, Vermont's all about testing. Come on. Okay. You know, they're, they're great up here. Anyways, I'm cl- I'm really close up, to Vermont. Up here. I'm I'm in upstate New York right now. I'm <laughs> oh, right across you? the oh, border from Vermont. That's what I say. If you're if you're in Maryland, you need to check a map. <laughs> like <laughs> um and I think it would be a beautiful statement 
to be like New York City was the epicenter of the coronavirus pandemic. Now they, the city and state has done such a good job and the people of the city have done such a good job of social distancing, wearing masks and all those things that now we can bring this NBA tournament to New York. You could bring in select, um, you could bring in like, you know, medical personnel who were there on the front lines into the stadium and, you know, social distancing to see these games as a benefit. You know, they, they were on the front lines fighting this thing. I think there's a lot of benefits. And again, how hard would it be to be like, we're taking this all in New York. The NBA is going to rent out a bunch of clubs in the meatpacking district so players can go to clubs at night. We're renting out all these restaurants because these restaurants need help too. You know, the, the NBA can help <laughs> buy food from Catch and all the other nice restaurants in the meatpacking and downtown. Okay. And let's play basketball in New York City and not play it in Orlando. Bring it back to, well. to, to the cradle of basketball in America. <laughs> And not the cradle of carnival rides. I mean, you even talking about them changing all this stuff now at this point, just not all it means is that it's not that they're going to cancel it altogether. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's what you're, that's, that's what you're headed towards. Um, thank you all for listening. This has been hey. the glue guys. We will be yeah. back in your ears as soon as possible. Okay. Thanks. Thanks for having me, Mike.